0: Welcome to Spider Career Podcast,
1: with Ed Hill
0: and Laura Guzman.
1: We are discussing the career trajectories of spider researchers and also those who carry out important work that enables and supports the research being conducted.
0: In this episode, we are joined by Sam Sutherland. Sam is a research assistant and team member on the Human African Trypanosomiasis Modeling and Economic Predictions for Policy Research Project, known by its acronym HATME.
1: Join us as we discuss Sam's developing research interests and pathway leading to his current role. Hi Sam, thanks for joining us today.
0: Welcome to Spider Careers.
2: Thank you very much. I'm I'm very, very glad to be here. Excited.
1: Excellent. So we'd like to first ask, this current role is your first research role since completing your undergraduate studies. Um, would like to first ask if you'd be able to tell the listeners how you became interested in mathematical modeling and perhaps epidemiology more generally.
2: I've had an interest in maths for a while as probably lots of people in sort of epidemiology and maths research kind of fields have. Uh, in terms of epidemiology itself it's always been quite interesting to me even like in, in school, I, I mean, school I actually uh, started a project uh, which we had ran into data issues but trying to uh scrape from twitter the amount of uh people who were doing the ALS ice bucket challenge uh if if you can th- that probably dates me quite precisely because this was like oh, I was like 14 uh and so I was trying to do a, a project taking essentially people like the the incidence of the the ALS ice bucket challenge on Twitter and trying to, to model that <laughs> using, I mean, it's, I was trying to use a, an SIR model to have a look at it. Uh, but, you know, I, I've always had quite quite an interest in the sort of epidemiology mathematical modeling. Uh, but then that sort of, that, that was only ever a sort of hobby on the side of the, the actual real serious maths. Uh, then I, I went to uni, uh, spent first year still being a very actual real serious pure maths kind of guy and then i realized that you know there's there's fun applied maths out there it's enjoyable since then i've just been yeah been interested in epidemiology and now i'm now i'm doing it for a job which is great
1: that's excellent and hearing the the anecdote about like the ice bucket challenge etc so that kind of real world type event but then gets this interest about in this case, all potential spreading tight oh well, yeah
2: it's, it's, this, it's contagion this sort of social processes.
1: contagion it's
2: you've got this uh this sort of process uh, where each person sort of one day later infects three people in a way I mean not quite but yeah it it really is very similar to how diseases spread sort of in your in your network
0: and now your role involves health economics and is part of the HATME project and this supports global efforts to eliminate human trafficking and trypanosomiasis. how did this opportunity arise and what were your considerations when deciding your next steps after completing your undergraduate degree
2: uh, so actually, uh, I was taking a module in my third year, uh, which was run by Kat here, called Epidemiology by Example. Uh, and my favorite, mo- I'm not saying this because she's my, maybe it's, it's, that's why I ended up here, but it was my favorite module of the entire degree. Great fun uh, and very practical, entirely coursework based. Um, but yeah, so I took this module, was really enjoying it, doing quite well on it, uh, and Cat mentioned that she was hiring for a research associate. Uh, and I saw that and thought that looks quite interesting. I'll have a look at the more details of it. Uh, and so I looked at the more details of it and it went through the list of sort of requirements, the the good mathematical background, the maths degree, but also things like solid programming background and ability to speak French. And I thought, well, so I took French A-level at school. Um, I've always sort of enjoyed French as a language and I thought well you know this is kind of right up my alley and then I saw in there uh willing to to travel and I was like yes this sounds like a a great great opportunity so I applied and then well one thing led to another and here I am uh so yeah I was I had actually been planning on doing a master's uh straight after because I went straight from my bachelor's I'd been planning on doing a master's but sort of sacked those plans off uh and came straight to this
1: and I think this gives a very, very nice example where so there is perhaps a a more common trajectory of completely undergrad, you do a master's, go on to a PhD, but then there are these these other opportunities which arise where you get this research-assisted type role, which are linked to specific projects, which which can occur and which are also a route into a a research type role.
2: Yeah, and one of the the great things about this actually is if so, in, in general, anybody who's doing a research role, if you've been working. I, I know what I know how it works at Warwick, but there are similar pathways at other universities. If you've been working at Warwick for three years and you've published research, you can collate your research and your, your papers into a, a thesis, and then you can submit that like a PhD. And so actually the plan here is that I'm going to do that. And re- really I'm sort of doing a PhD alongside my role as a research associate, which is great. So I'm sort of leapfrogging the, the masters, if all goes to plan. And hopefully ending up with a doctorate outfit, which is quite nice.
1: That would be fantastic. You mentioned about international aspects, which we'll get onto later in our chat. In your role in part of the HATMAP project, this is you're part of a larger research team. And so I'd be interested if we could let the listeners know about, so day-to-day, what are perhaps typical tasks which you carry out both individually, but then also as part of this larger research team?
2: Well, so from what I gather, compared to some other projects, in particular, there's a, there's a lot of meetings uh, on HatMap, and that's because we collaborate with lots of people from lots of different countries. But so what that means practically is a lot of the the work, broadly, like in 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 the most broad sense, collectively, what we're all trying to do is take field expertise and knowledge and data and information on what's happening, and try and use that to produce the best model of what's actually happening with sleeping sickness in these countries. So that means lots of talking to program directors and finding out what's been happening and uh what we need to change in our model to adjust that. And then the other part of it is taking the results of the model that we have and producing useful actionable uh outputs to to help the people uh help the the national implementation teams make decisions uh so it's a lot of talking to them and finding out what they'd actually find useful, so we can not just sort of sit here and do our do our useless maths but actually do something useful for them uh so there's lots of meetings uh but then there's also uh discussions amongst ourselves about how we're doing some of the modeling sort of discussions on on some stats discussions on code coding uh tidying data there's i mean there's all sorts it's you could say to an extent it's kind of like your typical data science kind of job in a way, but with a lot more. I'm not not necessarily a lot more. You there probably is a lot of meetings in general in in other data science jobs. But yeah, I'd say lots of, lots of meetings, lots of writing code, lots of tidying data, lots of being confused and thinking about what to do next. That's I'd say that that's my my typical day. is sort of uh, some combination of those.
0: It sounds great that you, with this role you have quickly build the bridge between being in theory in the university and now being in an applied work that you know it's having impact.
2: Oh yeah, no, it's great. It's uh some sometimes uh I sit there and I think yeah you know what? it's it's um, I've ended up in in quite, quite a nice job like it's so cuz you can feel yourself you can feel sort of happy in your job. It's not like cuz one of the classic alternatives if you have a maths background or a maths modeling kind of background as you can go into finance and I, I feel obviously that there is more money in finance this is not really a, a secret to anybody but I feel like the job I have now feels more meaningful in a way than than moving money around uh it probably do- it definitely doesn't earn as much money but it's it's just how I make myself feel better. <laughs> this is entirely just how I make
1: myself feel happy. The range of skill sets that you've described there, so like the analytical technical ability, coding, then communicating, and um, be able to onboard information, write reports. So the writing aspect, so it's like really encapsulating it showcases how just day to day you have to utilize all these different abilities. Oh
2: yeah, no, it's it's definitely it's. I'd say communication is is a big part of. This kind of, I mean, in general, I think part of research in, in general, you, you need to be able to effectively communicate your outputs and also effectively communicate to people who might have information you want, what information you want and how they can help. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's very much there's communication at every stage of the process, communication going in, communication going out. You're not going to be able to to do it on your own. That, that Other people have data you need and other people need your results. So, communication has to happen, and it has to happen well, otherwise, everything just takes longer doesn't doesn't really work.
0: And the Hemap project also has international collaboration and links to decision makers. So what have been your experiences so far with this aspect? Has it been as you anticipated or anything taking you by surprise?
2: Well, uh, so one of the one of I would say the big perks of this job. Is I, I I've done some travel to places that I would never have ordinarily thought to go. Uh, so I mean I I've been to Cote d'Ivoire and the DRC. I'm going to Kenya and Guinea in the next month. And m- most of these places, are, you know, if I'm thinking where am I going to go on on holiday, uh, the DRC is not the first country that pops into my mind. But actually, no, it's it that. I'm oh, sorry, I've, I've drifted a bit from the question slightly, but this is one of the things that I I really like about this job. Actually, that I'm sort of seeing places and and people that I I wouldn't see otherwise. It's it's quite nice. It's quite. I mean, this is purely selfish. Uh, it's just it's it's nice to to see some of the world. But in terms of the the actual work with the collaborators. One of the things that I've really enjoyed actually has just been sort of meeting the people in, in these teams and sort of getting conversations with them either online or in person, uh, like the team from Cote d'Ivoire when I went there in September, all very friendly people, uh, very lovely people to just spend some time with doing, doing the work. Obviously you, you're working together during the day, you're collaborating to produce the good modeling outputs, but actually they're just nice people to chat to in the evening. Uh, so a lot of the experience actually has been kind of personal and human. I, I, it's actually been really nice uh, in terms of effects on the day-to-day work. Obviously having lots of collaborators means lots of meetings and lots of sending things to and fro and sort of checking in, uh, which is, which is actually good. I would say in so far as it keeps you sort of along the right track at any given time, it's good to sort of keep you going in a, in a direction that is useful uh, to have the sort of regular check-ins. So actually, that's one thing that has been good. Uh, there are definitely challenges. Uh, sometimes there are internet connection problems. Uh, it varies a bit depending on which of our collaborators. But but yeah, sometimes internet connection can be challenging. Uh, so sometimes there will be a meeting where we're just sort of sat there waiting for internet connection to come back for somebody. And so that can be... I mean, it it is how it is. Uh, there's not much we can do about it. But yes, that's, so that's something that's, I guess, a, a downside of it. But but it's not not that disastrous. I think the, the, the sort of international collaboration aspect of it is great fun. Uh, say like not just great fun, very useful, very productive. Yeah, I think o- overall just quite good on, on all fronts.
1: That's really cool. And actually highlighting, as with a lot of the work we do these days, it's the, the digital aspect, the connectivity we have, where if we hit those technical difficulties that can then put, put potential barriers in place to that carrying on. So it's, so there's a lot of other work happening too, as a effort being put in to ensure these collaborations can like just overcome these the technical barriers, which could happen.
0: And that probably didn't happen in the past anyway.
2: Uh, well, yes. So very much these digital technologies have made this kind of collaboration a lot more possible uh because we can broadly just have a video call with people and discuss stuff or send each other files in a way that just wasn't possible before and so i mean i I realize i'm sat here complaining about the times that it doesn't work but but like it is still this amazing resource that we have uh to do this sort of cross-country collaboration essentially instantaneously that that is quite impressive when you think about it
1: strongly agree i think it's incredible so leading from that from the now the range of activities which you're involved in is there any particular skill which you've developed or had to develop that perhaps you just originally didn't anticipate you would ever need or ever have to use
2: well actually i think the the job advert was pretty good at saying the the sort of broad range of skills you will need. I'd say it's it's not that there's any particular skill I didn't think I was going to need that I've suddenly been surprised by. It's more just sort of exactly how they're being you that like it's it's you you never know exactly what you're what you're going to be doing in your day-to-day and sort of how it's going to work until you are doing it. So it's I mean it's it's all the skills that you expect but but like you know over time by doing this job I have I think hopefully just improved a bit on so even the basic things like the how to send emails politely to collaborators, uh, these kind of things, that, and in French. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, it's a skill that, if you'd asked me beforehand, I would have said, yes, this is a skill that I'm going to need. But it's, it's still it's developing these skills. I, I, I like to think I've just got better at it over the two years. And so this is sort of across the board in all sorts of skills. It's it's not that there's any one skill that... I wasn't expecting to to need to develop. It's just been across the board
1: sort of just building
2: quite a wide array of skills really
1: and highlighting that like, building rapport via via emails et cetera but it's, I mean, it's oh, good you, yes it's good you highlight that as an example and with with is. the
2: French and the sort of two vu split and uh like one collaborator in Cote d'Ivoire who now we're definitely on two terms. Uh, that we're writing a paper together at the moment definitely on two terms but I don't know when we switched from vue to two it was definitely vue at the start it's definitely two now but that period in the middle I'm pretty sure I was probably getting it wrong uh, but you know he's very polite he hasn't,
1: <laughs> hasn't brought it up but you know email etiquette in multiple languages that's yeah oh yeah it's hard enough in English
0: <laughs> and now to conclude all these experience you have To those interested in working in epidemiology, modeling and health economics, what would be one thing you would like those listeners to take away?
2: Well, I, so I, it depends on what you find interesting, but this, I find pretty much every day of my job uh, broadly interesting. So, I mean, it's never very dull uh and maybe that's cuz i haven't done enough writing yet maybe that, that <laughs> maybe the the paper writing will will start to wear on me soon uh but no i i, I definitely enjoy the the job i enjoy the talking to people because because i'm collaborating in this job and i think in general uh lots of epidemiology and sort of other mathematical modeling as well there's a lot of talking with other people the, the people who have the data that you want to use the people who want the results that you're producing there's just a lot of people and I quite like chatting to people uh and I've just really enjoyed the sort of the very human aspect of it all the sort of just chatting with everybody I think that's something that that you really do get in epidemiology and maybe it's just I know in in hat in sleeping sickness especially g hat Gambiense hat the kind of kind we work on there's a there's a very sort of close community internationally of other researchers and I can't speak for other diseases because I've only worked on hats so far but yeah there's definitely quite a quite a close community of researchers around the world researchers and implementers who all talk to each other Uh, it's very friendly very nice Uh, like you can go to a meeting and there there are people there who you know and you can talk to and I say actually that's one of the things that for me has been really nice about the role and I would strongly say that that that's something. If you're interested in epidemiology or modelling or any anything in this general kind of area, the sort of I guess it is broadly data science modelling kind of kind of thing. Yeah, it it's de- definitely get do it, give it a go. Uh, I realise I I've been very lucky, I guess, in the opportunity I had in that a job that really I think quite suited me was advertised to me pretty directly which which i think was great i didn't actually have to do too much searching to find it but if you if you find an opportunity that you think looks good apply uh i i sort of applied just sort of not necessarily expecting to get it uh just because you know i'll give it a go uh as much as anything it'll be good practice in applying for jobs and then i did get it and i thought oh well <laughs> this is an excellent opportunity uh but you know if, if you're interested do it it's great great career great fun uh very
1: nice lovely people
0: wow amazing recommendation for everyone
1: well said thank you very much sam for joining us there and sharing those experiences with us
2: thank you very much for having me
0: yeah it's great to see and to share your excitement with your current role
1: well thank you and thank you all for listening to this episode of the spy careers podcast Uh, we hope you join us again next time